Welcome to Reading to Kids podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Peyton. And we're here to read to you or with you. We know that sometimes moms and dads don't always have the time or the motivation to read to their kids each night, and we know how important it is. So, on those nights that you're not in the mood, we're going to do it for you. Can't wait to read with you. Good job, Peyton. High five. Okay, it's getting good. This book is getting good. A Series of Unfortunate Events by Lemony Snicket. Book the Ninth, The Carnivorous Carnival. And right now, the kids just got chosen to be thrown into the pit. And I have a feeling they're not going to be thrown to the pit. What do you think, Peyton? Yep. There is another writer I know who, like myself, is thought by a great deal of people to be dead. His name is William Shakespeare, and he has written four kinds of plays. Comedies, romance, histories, and tragedies. Comedies, of course, are stories which people tell jokes and trip over things, and romance stories are in which people fall in love and probably get married. Histories are retellings of things that actually happened like my history of the Baudelaire orphans, and tragedies are stories that usually begin fairly happily and then steadily go downhill until all the characters are dead wounded or otherwise inconvenienced it is usually not much fun to watch tragedy whether you are the audience or one of the characters and all of the shakespeare tragedies possibly the least fun example is king lear which tells a story of the king who goes mad while his daughters plot to murder one another and people who are getting on their people getting on their nerves towards the end of the play one of william shakespeare's characters remarked that humanity must be Humanity must perforce prey upon itself like monsters of the deep. And a sentence here which means how sad it is that people end up hurting one another as if they were ferocious sea monsters. And when the characters utter such... When the character utters those unhappy words, the people in Shakespeare's audience weep or sigh or remind themselves to see a comedy next time. I'm sorry to report that the story of the Baudelaire orphans has reached a point where it's inappropriate to borrow Mr. Shakespeare's rather depressing sentence to describe how the Baudelaire's felt as they addressed the crowd gathering at the edge of the lion pit to continue the story that they found themselves without turning into a tragedy when it seemed that everyone was eager, eager to hurt themselves. Okay, you guys, that was one sentence. Ah, they're long. Count Olaf and his henchmen were eager to see Violet and Klaus jump into their carnivorous death, jump to their carnivorous death, death, so that the Caligari Carnival would become more popular and Madame Lulu would continue telling Olaf's fortune. Esme Squalor was eager to see that Madame Lulu... to see Madame Lulu thrown into the pit so that she can get all of Olaf's attention and the Baudelaire co-workers were eager to help so that they could join Count Olaf's troop. The trope trope the reporter from the daily punctilio and the other members of the audience were eager to see the vid- the violence and sloppy eating so that their visit to the carnival would be worthwhile and the lions were eager for a meal after being whipped and denied food for so long it seemed that every member of humanity gathered at the roller coaster that afternoon was eager for something awful to occur and the children felt uh, felt awful as Violet and Klaus stepped towards the plank and pretended they were just as eager. Thank you, Count Olaf, for choosing us, choosing my head as I am the first victim of the lions sh- in the lion show. Klaus said grandly in his high pitched voice. Um, you're welcome, Count Olaf replied, looking a bit surprised. Now jump into the pit so we can watch the lions devour you and do it quickly. Cried the man with pimples on his chin. I like my carnival visit to be worthwhile. Instead of watching a freak jump into the vit- pit, Violet said, thinking quickly, wouldn't you rather watch someone push a freak into the pit? Wouldn't that be more violent? 
Grr, Sonny growled in, dis- it, in disguise and agreement. That's a good point, one of the white-faced women said thoughtfully. Oh, yes, cried the woman with dyed hair. I want to see the two-headed freak be thrown to the lions. I agree, Esme said, glaring at the two older Baudelaire's when Madame Lu- and then at Madame Lulu. I'd like to see someone throw you into the pit. The crowd cheered and applauded, and Sunny watched as her two siblings took a step towards the plank that hung over the pit while the lions were waiting hungrily. There, there are tiresome people who, who will say that if you ever find yourself in a difficult situation, you should stop and figure out the right thing to do. But the three Baudelaire siblings already knew that the right thing to do was to dash over the roller coaster cards, hook up the fan bell, and escape to the hinterlands with Madame Lulu in their archival library after calmly explaining that they gathered the, to the gathered crowd that the bloodshed was not a proper way of entertainment and that Count Olaf and his troop ought to be arrested in that very, that very instant. But there are times in this harem scarum world when fighting, when Figuring out the right thing to do is quite simple, but doing the right thing is simply impossible, and then you must do something else. The three Baudelaire's standing on the disguise of the midst of the crowd and in eager in the crowd, eager for violence and sloppy eating, knew that they could not do the right thing, but they thought that they could try to get the crowd for as frantic as possible so that they might slip away in confusion. Violet Klaus and Sunny weren't sure if using techniques of stalling the mob psychology was the right thing to do but the Baudelaire orphans could not think of anything else and whether or not it was the right thing to do their plans did seem to be working this is absolutely thrilling exclaimed the reporter I can see the headline now <sighs> freaks pushed into lion pit wait until the readers of the daily punctilio see that <clears throat> Sunny made the loudest growl she could and pointed to one of pointed one of her tiny fingers at Count Olaf what Chabo is trying to convey is in her half-wolf language, Klaus said, is that Count Olaf ought to be the one to push us in the pit. After all, the lion show was his idea. That's true, the pimpled man said. Let's see Olaf throw Beverly and Elliot into the pit. Count Olaf scowled at the Baudelaire's and then gave the crowd a smile that showed quite a few filthy, quite a few of his filthy teeth. I'm deeply honored to be asked, he said, bowing slightly, but I am afraid it would not be appropriate at this time. Why not? demanded the woman with dyed hair. Count Olaf paused for a moment and then made a short, high-pitched sound, disguised as Sonny's growl. I'm allergic to cats, he, he com- explained. You see, I'm sneezing already, and I am not even in the plank. Your allergies don't bother you when you're whipping the lions, Violet said. That's true, the hook-handed man said. I don't even know you had allergies, Olaf. Count Olaf glared at his henchman. Ladies and gentlemen, he began, but... He began, but the crowd didn't want to hear another of the villain's speech. Push in the freaks, Olaf, someone shouted, and everyone cheered. Count Olaf frowned, but grabbed Klaus's hands and led the eldest Baudelaire's to the plank. But the crowd roared around them, and the lions oops, uh, roared around them. Sorry, something touched my arm, and I thought it was a spider. Hold on. To the plank, but the clown... But as the crowd roared around to see the lions and... Ro- roared beneath them. The Baudelaire's could see that Count Olaf was no more eager to get any close to the hungry lions than they were. Throwing people into pits isn't really my job, Count Olaf said nervously to the crowd. I'm more of an actor. I have an idea, Esme said suddenly with a false sweet voice. Madame Lulu, why don't you walk down the plank and throw your freaks to, his, to its death? 
This is not really my job either, please, Madame Lulu protested, looking at the children nervously. I am a fortune teller, not a freak thrower. Don't be so modest, Madame Lulu, Count Olaf said with a nasty smile. Even though the lion show is my idea, you're the most important person here at this carnival. Take my place on the plank so we can see someone get pushed to their death. What a nice offer, the reporter cried. You're a very generous person, Count Olaf. Let's see, Madame Lulu, throw Beverly and Elliot to the pit cried the pimple ma- pimpled man, and everyone cheered again. The mob psychology began to take hold, and the crowd seemed to be as flexible as it was excited, and they gave the fortune teller an enormous round of applause as she nervously took Count Olaf's hand, hand, place on the plank. The piece of wood teetered for a moment from the weight of so many people standing on it, and the other older Baudelaire's had to struggle to keep their balance. The crowd gasped in, the, in excitement, and the and then groaned as the two disguised children managed not to fall. This is so exciting, squealed the reporter. Maybe Lulu will fall in too. Yes, Esme snarled, maybe she will. I don't care who falls in, announced the pimpled man. Frustrated by the delay in violence and sloppy eating, he tossed his cold beverage to the pit and splashed several lions who roared in annoyance. To me, a woman in a turban is just as freaky as as a two-headed person. I'm... I'm not prejudiced. Me either, said the, agreed the crowd, who was wearing a hat with the words Caligari Carnival printed on it. I'm just eager for this show to finally get started. I hope Madame Lulu is brave enough to push that freak in. It doesn't matter if she's brave enough, the bald woman, bald man replied with a chuckle. Everyone will do what they're expected to do. What other choice do they have? Violet and Klaus reached to the end of the, reached the end of the plank, and as they tried hard, they could think as they try hard to think of an answer to the bald man's question, <sighs> below was a roaring mass of hungry lions who had gathered closely below the wooden board so that they just seemed to be a mass of waving claws and open mouths around the people roaring of the crowd who were watching them eager with smiles on their faces. The Baudelaire's had succeeded in getting the crowd more and more frantic, but they still hadn't found an opportunity to slip away in the confusion, and now seemed to like the opportunity seemed like the opportunity would never knock. With difficulty, Violet turned her head to face to her brother, and Klaus squinted back at her, and Sunny could see that her siblings were filled her eyes were filled with tears. Our luck may have run out, she said. Stop whispering stop whispering, you heads, Count Olaf ordered in a terrible voice. Madame Lulu, push them this instant. We're increasing the suspense, Klaus cried back desperately. The suspense has been increased enough, replied the man in the pimpled, pimpled chin impatiently. I'm getting, I'm getting tired of all of this stalling. Me too, cried the woman with dyed hair. Me too, cried someone else standing nearby. Olaf, hit Lulu with the whip. That'll get her stop stalling. Just one moment, please, Madame Lulu said, and took another step towards Violet and Klaus. The plank teetered again, and the lions roared, hoping that their lunch was about to arrive. Madame Lulu took a look at the elder Baudelaire frantically, and the children saw her shoulders shrug slightly underneath her shimmering robe. Enough of this, the hook-handed man said, and stepped, toward, stepped forward impatiently. I'll throw them in myself. I guess I'm the only person brave enough to do it. Oh no, Hugo said, I'm brave enough to I'm brave enough too, and so are Colette and Kevin. Freaks who are brave, the hook handed man sneered. Don't be ridiculous. We are brave, Hugo insisted. Count Olaf, let us prove it to you, and then we can employ and then you can employ us. Employ you, Count Olaf asked with a frown. What a wonderful idea, Esme explained, as if the idea had not been hers. Yes, Colette said, we'd like to we'd like to find something else to do. 
and this seems like a wonderful opportunity. Kevin stepped forward and held out both of his hands. I know I'm a freak, he said to Olaf, but I think I could be just as useful as the hook-handed man or your bald associate. What? the bald man said. A freak like you be useful to me? Don't be ridiculous. I can be useful, Kevin insisted. You just watch. Stop all of this bickering, the pimpled man said crankily. I didn't visit this carnival to hear people argue about their work problems. You're distracting me in my other head, Violet said in a low disgust disguised voice let's get off this plank and we can all discuss this matter calmly i don't want to discuss this calmly cried the woman with dye hair i can do that at home yes agreed the reporter from the daily punctilio people discuss things calmly is a is a boring headline someday somebody throw somebody else into the lion pit and we'll all get what we want him madam lulu madam lulu will do it please madam lulu announced in a booming in a booming voice and grabbed Violet and Klaus by the shirt and the Baudelaire's looked up at her and saw a tear appear in one of her eyes and she leaned down to speak to them. I'm sorry, Baudelaire, she murmured quietly without a trace of an accent. She reached down to Violet's hand and took the belt away from her. Sunny was so upset that she forgot to growl. Trinus, Sunny shrieked, which meant something along the lines of, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. But if a fake fortune teller was ashamed to but if the fake fortune teller was ashamed of herself, she did not behave accordingly. Madame Lulu always says that you must always give people what they want, she said grandly in her disguised voice. She will do the throwing, please, and she will do it now. Don't be ridiculous, Hugo said, stepping eagerly. I'll do it. You're not the you're the one being ridiculous, Colette said, contorting her body toward Lulu. I'll do it. No, I'll do it, cried Lulu with both hands. I'll do it, cried the bald man, blocking Kevin's way. I don't want a freak like you as a co-worker. I'll do it, cried the hook-handed man. I'll do it, cried the white-faced woman. I'll do it, cried the other one. I'll get someone else to do it, Esme Squalor cried. Count Olaf wound his whip over the heads of the crowd with a mighty snap that made everyone in the crowd everyone cower a word here which means cringe and duck to hope to not get whipped silence he commanded in a terrible roar all of you ought to be ashamed of yourself you're acting like a bunch of children i want to see those lions devour devour somebody this instant whoever has the courage to carry out my orders will get a special reward the speech of course was just the latest example of count olaf's tedious philosophy concerning the stubborn mule moving over in the proper direction of the carrot dangling in front but of the offer was special. He finally got the crowd frantic as possible. In a moment, the crowd of the, car- of the carnival visitors had become a mob of volunteers, all of whom swarmed eagerly to finally throw somebody in the pit. Hugo lunged forward to push Madame Lulu, but bumped into the box of the white-faced woman they were holding, and three of them fell into a heap of the fell in a heap at the edge of the pit. The hook-handed man lunged forward to grab Violet and Klaus, but his hook caught the cord of the reporter's microphone and became hopelessly entangled. Colette contorted her arms as to grab Lulu's ankles and grabbed Esme Squalor's ankle by accident and got her hands all twisted in Esme's fashionable dress. The woman with dyed hair decided she might give it a try and leaned forward to push the elder Baudelaire's, but stepped to the side and the woman fell into her husband, who accidentally slapped the man with pimples on his chin, and all three carnival visitors began arguing loudly. Quite a few people who were standing nearby decided to get in, the, get in on the argument and gathered around to shout in people's faces. 
Within the moment of Count Olaf's announcement, the Baudelaire's were in the middle of a furious mass of humanity who were standing over the children, yelling and pushing and prying on themselves like monsters in the deep. The furious roared furiously in the pit below, but when the siblings heard another sound in the pit, a horrible crunching and ripping sound that was far worse than roaring of the beast, the crowd stopped arguing to see what made the noise, but the Baudelaire's were not interested in seeing anything more and stepped back from the terrible sound, huddled against one another with their eyes shut tightly as possible. And in this position, however, the children could hear the terrible sounds from the pit. Even over the laughter and cheers of the carnival visitors as they crowded together at the edge of the pit to see what was happening. So the three youngsters turned away from the commotion with their eyes still closed and slipped away in confusion, confusion stumbling through the, all of the cheering of the people until the last, until at last they were in the clear and a phrase here which means far enough away from the roller coaster that they could no longer see or hear what was going on. The Baudelaire orphans, of course, still imagined what was happening as I can imagine as I can imagine, even though it was not there that afternoon and the only read descriptions of what occurred down in the pit. The article and the Daily Punctilio says that it was Madame Lulu who fell first, but the newspaper article articles are often inaccurate, so it was impossible to say if that was true. Perhaps she did fall first and the bald man fell after, or perhaps Lulu managed to push the bald man and she tried to escape with his grasp, only to slip and join him in the pits just moments later. Or perhaps these two people were still struggling at the plank and teetered one more time and the lions reached both of them at the same time. It is likely that I will never know. I will just probably never know the location of the fan bell. And no matter how many times I return to Caligari Carnival to search for it, at first I thought that Madame Lulu dropped the strip of, of rubber on the ground near the pit, but I have searched the entire area with a shovel and a flashlight and found no sight of it. And none of the carnival visitors whose Houses have, have, I have searched seem to have taken it home as a souvenir. Then I thought that perhaps the fan belt was thrown into the air during all of the commotion and perhaps it landed in the cracks of the roller coaster. But I have climbed over every inch without success. And there it is, of course, the possibility that it is burned away. But the lightning, but the lighting devices are generally made of certain type of rubber that is difficult to burn. So that it is possible to see, possibly seems remote. <laughs> and so I must admit that I do not know for certain what happened to the fan belt and like knowing whether it was a bald man or Madame Lulu who fell first, that this may be the information who will never come. But I can imagine the small strip of rubber ended up the same place the woman who removed it from the lightning rod device helped and the Baudelaire orphans only to snatch it back the last minute, only in this and in the same place that the of the associates of Olaf, who was so eager to get a special reward. If I closed my eyes as the Baudelaire orphans closed theirs and they stumbled away from the unfortunate event, I can imagine that the fan belt, the fan belt like the bald man and their former associate, Olivia, fell into the pit and Olaf's henchmen had dug and ended up in the belly of the beast. Okay, kiddo, it's time to get up and start getting ready for school. Bye.